0: Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know how to help you. Now, here's your host, Jordan Goodman.
1: Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for the first half hour is Debbie Bloyd. She is the CEO of DLB Mortgage Services. She also is the radio host of her own show called Money Strategies with Debbie. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Debbie.
2: Hi. Good, good afternoon. How are you?
1: Very good. Just give us a brief background of how you came to be the financial expert that you are.
2: Well, you know, I have been in the mortgage business about 25 years and seen just about everything when it comes to finances. Um, I started becoming a financial advisor about eight years ago when I was encountering a lot of my clients really didn't understand how to read their statements and really didn't know where to go for good quality ass- assurance and help that they were doing the right things. So every step of the way, as my clientele has grown and they've had problems, I have set out to solve them. So I, I work with another group of financial advisors. I do mortgages. I do life and health insurance, um, property and casualty. So I've just kind of grown up in the business trying to offer my clients a little bit of advice.
1: And then your website is moneystrategieswithdebbie.com. What can people find at your website?
2: Oh, they can find a blog that I do. They can find um, podcasts that I do. They can find information on just about everything from investing to retirement planning, long-term care, why they need it, um, how to qualify for mortgages, what kind of mortgages are trending out there, and how to raise their credit score. A lot of people don't know anything about the money world, as you probably know.
1: Indeed. All right, well, let's kind of get right into it here. The coronavirus has really affected the entire economy in mortgage We're going to get into some details, but on an overall basis, how has the coronavirus affected the housing market and the mortgage market as you've seen it?
2: Well, you know, since the coronavirus shut everything down across the board back in March, I have never been busier. Um, we were doing about 20 loans a month, and that never stopped the refinance market really got started then because people were home and they had time to look at statements for the first time and they keep seeing on the news that interest rates are down, you know. So I did get a lot of calls. We did start a lot of new files and and it did slow down the purchases of new homes though because a lot of the agents were not ready to go virtual. They were not ready to not see people in person. They had done listings the old fashioned way and they weren't ready, you know, some people you have to take kicking and screaming into new ideas. And so we drug a lot of the real estate market forward in by doing more Zoom calls, more touring of open houses with your cell phones. This is not foreign stuff. It's what kids do. But, you know, the real estate market had not kept up. And even though some agents were doing a really good job, there was just as many people that were um, saying, no, don't let anyone come into your house. Let's take the house off the market. And that didn't do anybody any good. So it really slowed down purchases. And people took their house off the market, and now the houses are coming back. And, and people, you know, the COVID-19 didn't make anybody want any less. We, we now decided we wanted a bigger house, or we want a different size house, or a different laid-out house. And so I think putting us in our homes for that couple of months really made a difference in the real estate market. And we're going to see big changes in the years to come because of that.
1: So one of the big changes is a lot of people have not been able to afford their mortgages and they've been falling behind just give us a sense of the size of that problem and then let's go into some of the the uh, things that people who are falling behind can do but first of all give us a sense of the size of the problem of people falling behind in their mortgages lately.
2: Probably a fourth of the people that I talk to are falling behind and they're going into what they call forbearance but what they don't understand is um, they're going to have to play catch-up, and it's going to end in December now. It was supposed to end in October. Now it's going to end in December. What that means is they've got to catch up with everything that they forbear,ed which started in March. So you've got a lot of families that are eight or nine months behind, and you know what, Jordan, I don't think they're going to be able to dig out. A lot of the servicing companies have offered to put that um, eight months' worth of mortgage payments on the back end of the mortgage and kind of re-amortize their mortgage and reset the clock. Um I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say, you know, we're just too upside down. And you know what? It's mean to say that they shouldn't have probably been in the house anyway. If you don't have six to eight months saved up like most people don't, they're going to get behind on their bills. That they, they, they could very easily lose their home. And and that's, that's what's going to happen. I think we're going to see a big foreclosure market in the upcoming months.
1: So uh, let's talk about forbearance a little bit. Under what conditions can you get a forbearance? What is the process like of doing it and when should people try to get a forbearance?
2: Well, you know, I think a lot of people have been getting forbearance. I work with a lot of real estate agents, so they all applied for forbearance. But you know, they're not really checking. So the lenders are not always checking. On, you know, the, if you're a first responder, if you're in the fire department, you're a nurse, you're a doctor, you kept working. But a lot of us kept working during those months. So if you kept your job and kept working, you shouldn't have applied for, for forbearance. What, what that did was kind of wave the white flag saying, I don't have enough money to survive a couple months. And that's not going to bode well when you look at a credit report years from now or even next year. You know, right now, I cannot refinance anyone in forbearance. That's kind of waving the white flag that we're not financially stable. And I don't realize, I know that people didn't realize that's what they were doing when they did it because they thought it was free money they would put off their mortgage for a couple months. Big deal. Well, big deal is you basically told the lenders, I don't have enough to get by. I'm in a pinch. And a lot of people didn't lose their jobs. Their jobs may have slowed down, but all these people have, um, the people that I've worked with anyway, have savings accounts and checking accounts and IRAs. They, they, they were not out of money when they asked for forbearance. And most every lender just had to go ahead and grant it because they were getting so many phone calls in. So I know a lot of real estate agents, a lot of nurses and doctors that have done forbearance, well, they kept all their jobs. So it was not really a very good um, choice on their part.
1: Yeah. So you're saying that if this runs out at the end of December, they're going to owe everything, say they started and their first payment was April. They're going to know in, yes. need to pay in one fixed sum April through December. And most people are not going to be able to come that up is, with that kind of money. That is
2: what's supposed to happen. Yes. And that's what's supposed to happen. And they're not going to be able to. So what is going to happen is they're going to, the servicer of the loans has the opportunity to push all of this money um, back to where they can pay for it later on as they go and pay and like move it to the back of the loan. The problem is that's not going to be done for everyone. So I don't know how the lenders, the servicers are going to decide, can you, um, push this to the back of their loan, and what, you just got eight months free? No, you didn't get it free. There's going to be interest tacked on. and There's, there's going to be a lot of problems, Jordan, coming from everything right now because there are no rules right now.
1: Do you think it'll be extended again if, if the coronavirus is still around in a major way at the end of the year? Do you think it'll just be extended again?
2: I do believe it will be extended again because we've dug us, ourselves a hole that we don't know how to get out of. What are we, um, a lot of people yes, fourth of the uh, America is not working right now, but there are other jobs. There's other jobs they could get. No, is it in their line of work? Maybe not. But we're going to keep seeing this. We, we've become a, a country of, "Oh, help me." And instead of en- enabling people, um, I think they are enabling them to not work. So I, I think we've dug a hole, and it's going to be very hard to say it ends in December or it ends in, you know, January or February. What well, is the cutoff? I mean, like, where where is the fair cutoff? I think we've gone to an unprecedented time where the government's making these rules, and we're all living by them. This hasn't happened before.
1: Yes, indeed. Is this going to flow through to mortgage-backed securities? If the lenders are not getting their mortgage payments, are they going to start defaulting we're having a huge hit to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginnie Mae, and this would ultimately hit mortgage-backed securities.
2: I think it will eventually. I think what's going to happen is the servicers are the one caught in the middle right now because they're still making the payment to the lenders that originated the loans, whether their customers are paying or not. So the servicers are the ones that are really caught in the quagmire of outgoing money, no incoming money. They're just like a household, only bigger. They're expending a ton of money that they don't have right now, and I don't know how long they are going to last.
1: Exactly. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest for this half hour is Debbie Bloyd. Uh, She is CEO of DLB Mortgage Services. She's also a host of her own radio show called Money Strategies with Debbie. You can find out more at her website, which is moneystrategieswithdebbie.com. We'll be back after this. Wish you were in the early on some best performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020. Our crowd investors were, and now you can join them in what's next. With our crowd, accredited investors have access to invest directly, easily, and most important, early. Our crowd investors have benefited from our crowd companies IPOing, like Beyond Meat, or being bought out by companies like Intel, Nike. Microsoft and Oracle. Our crowd's investment professionals leverage their extensive network to review some of the most promising private companies and startups in the world. Their in-depth due diligence includes meeting with management teams and generally comprehensive vetting of deals they decide to make that are part of your own portfolio. Once our crowd has selected a deal, they offer accredited investors the opportunity to invest alongside them with the same terms. If you're an accredited investor, you can join our crowd for free at O-U-R-C-R-O-W slash answers and review the current deals. No payment is involved until you decide to participate in a deal. As you review deals, you have access to our crowd's investor relations team who you can talk to directly on the phone about your personal investment goals. The investment professionals at our crowd have already reviewed thousands of companies, invested hundreds of millions of dollars, closed investments in over 200 companies, and chosen dozens of companies that have made exits. Accredited investors can participate in a single company deal for as little as $10,000 or one of crowdfunding's funds for as little as $50,000. Today, you can join our crowd's investment in Techsy, a software app that helps technicians and customer service teams. See what the customer sees without ever stepping inside their home or office. It's easy and already revolutionizing how companies like Salesforce, Verizon, and Samsung support their customers. As the category leader in the visual assistance space and with remote support being essential during the pandemic, TechSee is uniquely positioned to continue to maximize their market share with leading enterprise companies. You can get in early on TechSea and other unique opportunities at rcrowd.com slash answers. If you're interested in investing, you need to join our crowd. The r account is free, so just go to O-U-R-C-R-O-W dot com slash answers.
0: Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life.
2: Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's
3: blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time.
4: We're always talking business
1: Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Debbie Bloyd. She is CEO of DLB Mortgage Services, a real expert in the mortgage market. She also has a radio show called Money Strategies with Debbie. Her website is moneystrategieswithdebbie.com. Welcome back to the show, Debbie. Hi, thank you. So we talked about forbearance. The other thing people can do if they're behind in their mortgages is a mortgage modification. Maybe describe how that works and how can a mortgage modification help you get through if you can't afford your current mortgage payment.
2: Well, what the the servicer of your company is going to be doing is getting in contact with you, um, I guess, at the end of December when this is all done, unless they extend it. They're going to say, okay, you're behind eight months. We're going to tack that on to the back but your new payments, they're going to try to catch you up. So these services are going to have really carte blanche in how they do that modification for you. They still haven't come up with an exact plan that they're going to use, and every servicer can do a different plan. So in theory, you're supposed to have a payment due that is worth eight months or six months or whatever you've been behind in a lump sum. Well, the... The servicer now has to calculate how much interest you missed, what the payments are, and now they're going to change your new principal and interest payments to make up that difference, just like they would a shortfall when your taxes go up or your insurance adjusts. They do a shortfall. So now you're going to be making bigger payments. What's going to happen, Jordan, when these people cannot make bigger payments when they couldn't even make the basic payment before? That's my question.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk the other side about originating mortgages now. So we have incredibly low mortgage rates, probably the lowest they've ever been. Uh, is it harder sure. to qualify for these things? or you know, Give us a sense of the current mortgage market if you're buying a new home.
2: Well, you know, because of COVID-19, they have a different set of overlays, another set of rules on top of the other rules. So we have rules on top of rules, and every lender has tweaked these a little bit. So as a broker, I'm signed up with five or six different A-rated companies that do credit scores 620 and above. Most all those companies have raised the credit score to 640 and above. That means that when that goes up, so does every other kind of loan. So you can still get an FHA loan, but you can't get 620. You've got to have a 640 credit score. And then you can't do a bank statement loan at the at the score of 680 anymore. Now they make it be 720. So a lot of people are having to zig and zag to see where they fit now because the rules do keep changing. We have Alt-A loans that are coming more into play than ever, and those are what we used to call back in the day subprime loans. Those are the loans for the people of credit scores 550 to 620. Now that's reaching from 520 or 550 up to 640 because nobody else can work those loans. So, like me as a broker, I'm putting more people in those subprime or Alt-A loans because they can't fit in the box that was just newly developed in March. So, as the boxes keep moving, we have to keep moving with it. You also have to have more down if you're in one of the not-so-desirable boxes. An FHA loan that's normally 3.5% down, they can ask for 10% down if they want, and they get to... Make whatever rules they want because they're portfolioing the money usually. So, therefore, they get to make the rules. Yeah. Um, this really does change too. Our bank statement loans, some of our non QM lender loans are very different now because of the all overlay on top of overlay on top of overlay. It's harder to qualify now than it was six months ago.
1: How about adjustable versus fixed rate mortgages? If somebody's going to do it now, should they always go to a fixed rate or an adjustable rate make sense?
2: You, you know, it is so cheap right now to have a fixed rate. You know, some of the companies I work with are touting, and I hate to say it on the air, but it's 1.99. Now, you have to pay discounts to get there. That means you have to pay a fee to buy the rate down that low. But that's the, that's the rate most companies are advertising now. So um, it, it's incredibly low prices. But they, again, don't tell you what you have to do to get to that rate. I think if you can get a fixed rate in the twos, um, might as well take it and lock it in for 30 years. You can always pay everything off early. There are no prepayment penalties on anything right now. So you, you used to say, okay, I would do an adjustable rate, and, and that was more, I guess, better qualified for people on the coast where the um, cost of a home are over the million-dollar marks. Um, in the middle of the, of the United States, we're much more of a fixed rate planned where we want to pay it off and be done with it. Some of the people on both sides of, of us, though, you know, the homes are so, so expensive. They really don't have a hope or an expectation of paying that home off. It's considered rent for them.
1: Yeah. Now, in many markets, there's some super hot markets where people are moving out of the center cities into the suburbs and rural areas. What would you recommend for buyers when there's a whole bunch of buyers and there are multiple bids? And you kind of get this overheated market. What what strategies should buyers use not to get wrapped up in that?
2: Well, you're going to have, if you buy in the lower priced market, you're competing not only with first time home buyers or people fleeing the the cities, like you said, but you're also uh, fighting it out with investors. And investors typically have cash. So a lot of my people are writing multiple contracts, and they're just trying to get something. I have one lady right now writing four different contracts today, trying to get some house. But she's in the two hundred dollars to $300,000 range in Austin, and it's a really hot market there. So she's losing out to investors that pay cash that can close in 20 days. She's got to have a mortgage. It's going to take her 30 to 45 days to close. So she loses out not only on price, but on the amount of time to closing. And if she has to get a mortgage, which she does, then she's just going to have to keep making higher priced offers. So this is driving prices up. So prices are going to go up, you know, a few thousand dollars on every offer, just trying to get their offer to stand out.
1: Do you think the supply-demand situation will be in better balance? Because right now there's too little supply and too much demand. Will that balance out?
2: I think it will eventually, but not anytime soon. So we have lumber prices going up. So the new homes that a lot of people want to buy a new home, they're going to have to pay 80% more in some cases on some of the lumber that's needed in their homes to be built. So those contracts are going up. They're not going to be able to afford those new home prices now. They're going to go back. And I think people are going to do still a bidding war about what's available. They also may change their desires. Gordon, a lot of People doesn't, they, they don't want and they don't want to do home improvements themselves. They want to move into something pretty and pristine, already updated. We might find ourselves buying houses that need a little bit of work and have to put the elbow grease in or hire someone to do it because that's all that's going to be available to us.
1: You said that a lot of people are going into debt to do home improvements. Is that a good idea?
2: It's not a good idea when it's on credit cards that are at 20%, 18%, 25%, but that's what people are finding. You know, it's very hard to get a home improvement loan right now, so the banks aren't doing them. Well, if the banks aren't doing them, I do cash out refinances, but there's a formula that I have to use, so you have to um have at least 20% equity, at least in the state of Texas, still in the home. You can't borrow more than 80% of the, the house's value. Other states are a little bit different, but you still have to qualify. The problem is people are not qualifying. They are making less, and they're trying to do more with it, and the formulas don't work. It's easy to buy a new car. There's not a real formula that you have to be approved of. You just have to have a paycheck and be able to make the payment. Mortgages are much different. You can only borrow 48% up to 48% of what you earn gross. And so a lot of people are not fitting in that box because they're overstretched.
1: Indeed. Very good. Well, it's a very interesting and changing world you're involved in, Debbie. My guest for this half hour has been Debbie Bloyd. Uh, She is the CEO of DLB Mortgage Services. Uh, She's an expert in the whole area of mortgages. You can find out more about her at her website. Money Strategies with Debbie.com. Thanks so much for being on the Money Answer Show, Debbie.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you, and we'll be back after this. Wish you were in early on some of the best performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020. Our crowd investors were, and now you can join them in what's next. With our crowd, accredited investors have access to invest directly, easily, and most important, early. Our crowd investors have benefited from our crowd companies IPOing, like Beyond Meat, or being bought by companies like Intel, Nike, Microsoft, and Oracle. Our crowd's investment professionals leverage their extensive network to review some of the most promising private companies and startups in the world. Their in depth due diligence includes meeting with management teams and general comprehensive vetting of the deals they decide to make part of their own portfolio. Once our crowd has selected a deal, they offer accredited investors the opportunity to invest alongside them with the same terms. If you're an accredited investor, you can join our crowd for free at ourcrowd.com/answers and review the current deals. No payment is involved until you decide to participate in a deal. As you review deals, you have access to our crowd's investor relations team, Who can call you directly, who you can talk to directly on the phone about your personal investment goals? The investment professionals at our crowd have already reviewed thousands of companies, invested hundreds of millions of dollars, closed investments in over 200 companies, and chosen dozens of companies that have made exits. Accredited investors can participate in a single company deal for as little as $10,000 or one of our crowd's funds for as little as $50,000. Today, you can join our crowd's investment in TechSee, a software app that helps technicians and consumer service teams see what the customer sees without ever stepping inside their home or office. They make it easy and already revolutionizing how companies like Salesforce, Verizon, and Samsung are supporting their customers. As the category leader in the visual assistance space and with remote support being essential during the pandemic... TechSea is uniquely positioned to continue to maximize their market share with leading enterprise companies. You can get in early on TechSea and other unique opportunities at rcrowd.com slash answers. If you're interested in investing, you need to join rcrowd. The rcrowd account is free, so just go to ourcrowdcom slash answers.
3: Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics.
4: Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
0: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Michael Schumann. He is an economist, attorney, author. Uh, he is the uh, uh, director of what's called Local Economy Programs at the Neighborhood Associates Corporation Uh, and he's also an adjunct professor at Bard College. His two most recent books are Put Your Money Where Your Life Is and The Local Economy Solution. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Michael.
4: Very nice to be with you, Jordan.
1: Just give us a little bit of your background. I gave you a little bit, but just kind of give us your history and getting to this point and why you became such an expert on local economics.
4: Well, one way of understanding my career is I did everything possible to avoid the practice of law. Uh, so I graduated from law school in 1982 and immediately set up a nonprofit uh, to promote international relations among cities of the world. And then over time, I got more interested in economic development and the role of local businesses. And in the last 10 years, I've been especially interested in how people can begin to shift their investing from Wall Street to Main Street and do so in a way that is good for their own bottom line and good for their communities.
1: So what's so ironic about this is that Main Street is going through an incredibly hard time right now with the coronavirus and all these local stores being closed by governments, forced to be closed, or even when they're open, they're opening at Half capacity and going out of business at a record rate. This doesn't seem like a particularly good time to be investing in Main Street when Wall Street's doing so well.
4: Well, I think Wall Street's success is going to be short-lived. Uh, now, of course, anyone who predicts where Wall Street is getting is going to go is uh, on thin ice. But, but I'll just say, and I think your your listeners will appreciate this that you know, while while, while the markets don't always reflect the real economy, sooner or later, the two have to come into alignment. And the real economy right now is in terrible shape. It's not just local businesses, but in fact, you know, there there's just massive unemployment. Well, we have a serious recession that is probably going to be registered fairly soon. Um, there are other economic indicators that, that are looking quite dreadful, like the trade deficit. So I, I would argue that a wise investor would begin to diversify their portfolio. And so I'm not, you know, I would not encourage people to sell all your Wall Street securities overnight and put it all into Main Street. Doing that is terribly risky, but, but having some, some kinds of real diversification in your portfolio between global companies and local companies or local real estate or maybe investing in your city's bonds, that would be true diversification.
1: So if you could explain to me, why is it that Main Street is getting worse and Wall Street seems to be getting better all the time? Why is that disconnect so wide and seem to be getting wider all the time?
4: Well, I think it's not that all of Main Street is getting worse, but the part of Main Street that has gotten worse in general and then got particularly hammered by the pandemic is retail, retail and restaurants. And this is where many of us encounter the economy every day at the grocery store, or hardware store. But the truth is, is that retail is about 7% of our economy. And yes, retailers have taken a real shellacking um, from the growth of Amazon, and I would argue that the growth of Amazon, I mean, partially reflects a smart business model, but it also reflects a lot of government subsidies that have gone to Amazon, uh, overt and covert, (laughs) uh, that have given Amazon a pretty free ride, and now we're having a second thought, second think about that. Um, But at the end of the day the other kinds of local businesses out there the providers of professional services and personal services financial services health services those are not in a catastrophic position those are all doing very well and you want to know something else that's really interesting is that as of a couple of weeks ago the average wage of services actually was higher than manufacturing Um, and and we tend to think, oh, manufacturing, that's where people are gonna get good wages. That is no longer true. Particularly because of information services, health services, and financial services. Services are now the hot sectors. And that's part of Main Street.
1: So what have you talked about is a way to invest in Main Street is self-directed IRAs and solo 401ks. Maybe talk a little bit about that and how you can use those vehicles what you call DIY vehicles, as a way to invest in things at your local level.
4: Yeah, mean, I, I think, you know, people like myself who for years have tried to do some investing, some solo investing of our pension funds uh, or money that we put away in IRAs, what you inevitably find in like you know, Ameritrade or E-Trade or other places you may go, is that you're basically given an assortment of global companies um, and, you know, there are categories that are alleged to diversify them. Oh, there are value companies here. There are growth companies there. But it's still all global companies, and that's a small minority of the economy. Local businesses are not represented in our portfolios at all. And in order to do this, you have to do a little bit of work. And that's where the self-directed IRA and solo 401 k come in. So with a self-directed IRA, like a regular IRA, um, any person can set it up and you can tuck away uh, up to about $7,000 per year. Um, and then you go out and for a fee of about, if you shop around, you can get it as low as $250 a year. You can hire a custodian and tell that custodian where you would like that money invested. And that custodian follows your orders as long as it's legal. So you can then invest in a local business, local real estate, even giving a loan to your neighbor. The solo 401k is a related instrument designed specifically for self-employed individuals as a parallel to the more traditional 401k. And, but, but it has some real advantages over the self-directed IRA. So you can put away a lot more money in a solo 401k, um, tens of thousands of dollars per year, Uh, You can actually give yourself a loan of up to $50,000, which you have to pay back over five years, but you can use that as a down payment on your house or to pay off credit cards you also get the opportunity to manage the account yourself. So you don't have to hire an outside custodian. So um, I've, I've identified a way that you can, for a one-time payment of $300, get the legal papers necessary to run a solo 401k. And, and by the way, you don't have to be exclusively um, a solo entrepreneur. Um, you can have a day job and have a side job where you report $10 of income on Schedule C from eBay sales, and you can qualify for setting up a solo 401k.
1: And what is that mechanism you say you've found to, to allow people to do that?
4: Uh, well, the mechanism is one company, uh, QPS, based in Colorado, and I have an affiliated website that I work with called TheNextEgg.org, and we are helping hundreds of people actually move their money into self-directed IRAs and solo 401ks, and we struck a deal with this one provider of solo 401ks, QPS, uh, to provide a, a discounted charge for the use of their legal papers.
1: When you're saying investing in a local business... That's typically going to be an illiquid investment. This is not some kind of publicly traded security. You're actually investing in a store or somebody's service business. Is that correct? So you're giving up liquidity in return for hopefully higher returns. Is that the trade-off?
4: Well, what you're, what you're, it, it, you might be if if you were, in fact, giving up liquidity, but you're not necessarily giving up liquidity because many of these businesses will enter into highly predictable several year debt situations with you. And it's true, if you wanted to sell the debt halfway through a five-year period, it would be harder to do that. Um, But I think the liquidity of this market is going to increase. But here's the thing, it's not that you're going for necessarily a higher return. It's, you know, I think it's fair to aim for an equal return. Um, I would argue that You know, a reasonable expectation of Wall Street would be you get something around 5% per year, and that that's really what your expectation should be for your local investments as well. Um, But in addition to the private return, you're also getting a social return. That is, when you are investing in your local businesses, and they do well, they pay taxes, that pays for the schools and the police, and all of that inures back. To your quality of life.
1: Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest for this half hour is Michael Schumann. He's an economist, author, entrepreneur. Uh, his latest book is called Put Your Money Where Your Life Is, How to Invest Locally Using Self-Directed IRAs and Solo 401Ks. You can find out more at his website, which is michaelhschumann.com. We'll be back after this.
3: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network.
5: Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equities Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equities program.
0: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this half hour is Michael Schumann. He's an economist, entrepreneur, author. Uh, His latest book is called Put Your Money Where Your Life Is. How to Invest Locally Using Self-Directed IRAs and Solo 401Ks. You can find out more at his website, MichaelHShuman.com. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Great to be here. So you have the eight steps to finding promising local investments. The first one is to start with yourself. So what do you mean by that?
4: If you have any form of credit card debt, you should create a solo 401K uh, give yourself a loan to pay that debt off and pay yourself back at a much lower interest rate. Uh, and same for your kids with student loan debt or other people in your family. If they're reliable people to repay the debt, you can strike a really good deal with them.
1: The second step is to investigate your family's needs so what do you mean by that?
4: So we already covered that a little bit but I would say for example I mean I have two kids uh, one kid in college one kid about to go to college they will both have serious levels of student debt and if they are paying it at current rates um, they're going to be paying at 7 or 8 percent. I would be happy to get 5 percent from them Uh, so I might pay them back pay pay back that loan immediately uh, on their behalf out of my solo 401k and have them pay me back at 5% per year. Now, of course, you have to find ways of enforcing this with your kids, but that's another discussion.
1: <laughs> the third step is to evangelize for local investment. What do you mean by that?
4: So, there are uh, a lot of people uh, in, in the community uh, who are already interested in small businesses. They may be the people running your small business development center by the SBA. They may have be at the community college. Uh, they may run an incubator, a maker space. You should check in with these people because they know many of the hot businesses out there that you should think about making relationships with.
1: Your fourth step is to find fellow travelers and specifically, You talk about an organization called Slow Money, tell us a little bit about that.
4: So Slow Money was established by a fellow named Woody Tash, he wrote a book called um, uh, Slow Money about 10 years ago and the whole idea was riffing off of what is called the Slow Food Movement and the Slow Food Movement started in Italy and it said, you know what? We need the opposite of fast food. We need to think about food not as something we do and get behind us quickly. With crap food, we want good food. We want relationships. So it's the same thing with money. Rather than having quick profits, Woody Tash argued, we want deep relationships with our money, and with the people we invest in. Now, he was focused on food and farming-related businesses. There are thousands of people in the United States who are adherents of the slow food movement, and they, I'm sorry, the slow money movement, and they meet in small groups in cities across America. So you might tap into those groups to figure out who are your fellow
1: travelers. And then you invest with them almost like a... Uh, investment clubs kind of thing?
4: Some of them do have investment clubs. Others are just uh, conversation uh, clubs, really.
1: Ah. Your next step is to check out crowdfunding sites. So uh, what can you find at, at crowdfunding sites, and what are some of the ones you recommend that do local investing?
4: So... Um, Almost all of the federally licensed crowdfunding sites have things that will connect to your community. So what I would suggest is you start with a website called investibule.co and investibule is a consolidator site. It pulls data from at this point there's nearly 50 federally licensed investment crowdfunding sites and then you can identify what are the businesses that are near you in your state and soon they're going to be organizing it by zip code as well um, but you know there's a lot of sites that i think are very friendly to local small business honeycomb credit is one another is called mainvest i work also with we Funder. they're very community friendly
1: So how can the average person who's not an investment analyst figure out of all these different possibilities which investment at a crowdfunding site they should uh, put some money into?
4: I think what's important is that you have to do the work to really uh, study these businesses yourself. So... You roll up your sleeves and say, okay, I've got this list of businesses within a 50-mile radius of me. Let me figure out um, which are the ones that are closest to me and check out the goods and services, talk to the workforce, maybe have coffee with the manager, get a sense of the business. and, And... Based on that ground truth thing and that relationship, I think that's when you would feel comfortable to start investing. And here's something else that I would encourage people to think about. We often assume that local businesses are startups, but in fact, the vast majority of local businesses are not startups. If you're into risky rides, go with the startup. If you're everyone else, look for businesses that have been around for five or ten years uh, that have a really reliable business model that have weathered the pandemic and go with them.
1: Your sixth step is what you call unleashing a lion, and the lion means a local investing opportunities network. So tell me about Lion's.
4: So Lion was established originally in Port Townsend, Washington, a small town of 10,000 people north of Seattle. And basically what they did is they created a party once a month that brought together local businesses and local investors. And just that little social invention has meant one million dollars more of local investment every year in small businesses in Port Townsend since 2008. And and what it underscores is that at the end of the day, local investment is about relationships. And if you can facilitate those relationships in your own backyard, then you're halfway there.
1: Step number seven is to make a public list You mentioned one, for example, called the Maryland Neighborhood Exchange. So what does that mean to create a neighborhood list of local businesses? So basically
4: it's the same thing as Investibule, only going one step deeper. So I have a list uh, that I've created with a colleague, Stephanie Geller, in the Maryland Neighborhood Exchange. And we have a list of specific businesses to Baltimore, because that's where we're mostly focused right now that are on federal crowdfunding sites. Um, Over time, we plan to expand this, not just to businesses that are actively seeking money, but businesses that wanna have conversations about seeking money. Now, currently that's illegal, but the SEC is on the verge of a rule change, I think, and this rule change will make these conversations easier to do on your own public websites.
1: We have about a minute to go. Just kind of sum up why it makes sense for people to look into local investing compared to what they're normally doing, which is investing in big public companies on Wall Street. Well,
4: the main things are, first of all, in terms of returns, if you invest in yourself and things like getting out of credit card debt, investing in a house, investing in energy systems, you can get significantly higher returns than you would on Wall Street. Second, um... You have the possibility of generating this social return, this return to your quality of life. And I think third, um, you're contributing overall to your community well-being. You're going to feel better about your investments at at night. And you're also going to have a truly diversified portfolio that's going to inoculate you from the next horrible downturn of Wall Street.
1: Very good. Well, we've learned a lot about the subject. My guest this, hour, this half hour has been Michael Schumann. He is an economist, uh, entrepreneur, and author of several books, his most recent one being Put Your Money Where Your Life Is, How to Invest Locally Using Self-Directed IRAs and Solo 401Ks. He specifically mentioned QPS in Colorado as a way of setting up a Solo 401K. You can find out more about Michael at michaelhschumann.com. Um, Michael Thanks so much for being on The Money Answer Show. We learned a lot, Michael. My pleasure. Thanks so much, and we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now.
0: Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.